Praise the name of the Lord. Turn in your Bibles to Acts 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Of course, we'll have that on the overhead uh, for you as well. I don't know if those are even called overheads anymore. I have no idea what to call that. I don't know, the screen up here. Amen. And if you don't want to look at me, you can, it's on the back wall too. You can turn around and look on the back wall and read it. Or in your Bibles or on your tablet or whatever you have, your phone, whatever you have. All right, Acts 2, Acts 2 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you've taken by lawless hands and have crucified him and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. I want to speak to you today on the subject, His Greatest Miracle. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we need you now. God forbid that I should stand before your people and deliver your word in my own strength. God, rescue me from that. Rescue us from that. Let the empowerment of the Spirit of God be with us as we share your word and brag on you today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can you give him one more hand of praise for his word? Our God is a God of miracles. Amen. He is a miracle working God. Acts 2.22, when the apostle Peter was speaking on the day of Pentecost, that first Pentecostal message in which 5,000 were saved, he mentioned that Jesus was a man. We know he was much more than that, but he wasn't less than that. He was God in the flesh, and as a man, he was attested by God to those around him by his miracles, wonders, and signs. Those were the proof positive that God was with him. In fact, whenever John the Baptist was in prison, and he sent his disciples to Jesus asking, are you the one or should we look for another? Jesus said, go back and tell him that the blind receive their sight and that the lame walk again and that the chains are being broken. That's proof there. Jesus said to his detractors, he said, for which of my good works do you seek to stone me? He said, if I don't do the works of my Father, reject me. But if I do the works of my Father, then you know that I have come from my Father. Jesus was a miracle and is a miracle worker. In reverse order, we see that he uh, has three kinds of miracles. Signs. Signs are those things that point to something. They prove something. They show something. They're miraculous but they have a purpose beyond just the immediate. They are pointing to something or to someone. That is a sign. And sometimes that same word is also translated miracle. 
Wonders are those things that are so uh, awesome, so awe-inspiring, uh, so out of the uh, ordinary that they cause people to gasp. They cause people to be in awe. They cause people to marvel. They cause people to wonder. Therefore, they are a wonder. And then miracles, and I got so excited when I saw this, the word miracles here is the word, the Greek word dunamis. Now, does anybody remember hearing about that Greek word dunamis? If you've ever heard a, a message on what Jesus said in Acts 1 to his disciples, he said, you shall receive power, dunamis, power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That word for miracles is the same word that Jesus said we would receive when we receive the Holy Ghost. The same word, power. In other words, the Holy Ghost of God has given to the church and to God's people miracle working power. Not just power, miraculous power. The Spirit brought with him miracle working power. In the 1860s, a Swiss inventor named Alfred Nobel invented what is, uh, was a safe, uh, somewhat powerful, easy to use explosive. And it was so explosive that he contacted a Greek scholar and said, what word could you give me that would describe the kind of explosive power that this has? And he said, I would tell you that it is the word dunamis. Therefore, Alfred Nobel named his creation, his invention, dynamite. It's where we get the word dynamite, where we get the word dynamic from. All of that comes from this word dunamis. By the way, when Alfred Nobel, about 20 years later, 30 years later, he picked up a French newspaper. His brother Ludwig had died, but they thought that Alfred Nobel had died. And so they printed the headline in his obituary, the merchant of death has died. They said that Alfred Nobel had invented faster ways for people to kill each other, and he died yesterday. And they got confused. It was actually his brother, but Nobel said, I, I don't want that kind of legacy. And so in his will, he left about 90% of his uh, money he left for the formation of what are now known as the Nobel Prizes, the chief of which is the Nobel Peace Prize. In other words, this man that had caused so much destruction left in his wake celebration of the wonderful things of life. And I want you to know that power that Jesus gave to the church, it's not power to destroy, it's power to deliver. It's not power to harm, it's power to heal. It's not power to divide, it's power to unite. It's the power of God through the people of God. And just as Jesus was anointed by Holy Ghost power, you and I, if we've been baptized in the Spirit of God, have been endowed with that same power that Jesus had. And it's miracle working power. Now the Bible says that Jesus was attested by God. That word means in the original, it literally means show off. That's what it means. 
It literally means to show off that God was showing off in Jesus. God was showing off in and through the ministry of Jesus. Now I want you to know that when Jesus shows up, he shows out and he shows off. Amen. When he's in the room, he does something spectacular. It also means to exhibit something. It's as if God were saying, pointing away from himself and to Christ, he was saying, look at him, watch him, see him. If you want to see my power, look at him. If you want to know my heart, look at him. If you want my love revealed, look at him. Look at Jesus. He is the example of who I am, of what I want to do, and what I will do in the life of those that believe. And so God showed off through Jesus by his miracles, his wonders, and his signs. Now, when you start counting the miracles of Jesus, it's kind of hard to track down. Because as you know, uh, there are four Gospels. And sometimes some of the miracles may be duplicated in all four Gospels. So it's hard to determine sometimes what is its own miracle and what's another telling or retelling of the same story. But we do know this, that if we try to count them at least seven times, Jesus cast out demons. At least six times, he opened the eyes of the blind. At least three times, he healed those that were lame. We have at least two occasions in the Bible that he unstopped deaf ears. We have two times that he uh, multiplied loaves and fishes. There are two times, one when he called the apostles and two after his resurrection when he reaffirmed their call that he has a miraculous catch of fish. And then there were two times that Jesus demonstrated his power over nature by calming the storm or walking on the water. And then we have multiple occasions in the Bible where it just says they came to him and he healed them all. (laughs) He healed everybody. He cast out a few demons. I love it. I think it was, uh, I think it might have been Jericho that he came through. I can't remember which town it was, but he said that, that they had unbelief, so he wasn't able to do everything he wanted to do, only he did heal a few folks, just kind of a side note. He, he couldn't do what he wanted to do, he just, but he just healed a few people. So he's a miracle working God, and there's other beside that. John 21, 25, John speculated, he said, if everything that Jesus did in his earthly ministry, if we had written down everything, he said, I don't suppose that the whole world could contain the books that should be written or that would be written. So Jesus is and was a miracle worker. So that begs the question of all of these miracles, what was his greatest miracle? Well, if you're seeking out his greatest miracle, maybe the logical place to start is with his first miracle. His first miracle, Jesus went to a wedding. Now, I will tell you, I hope I never have that kind of miracle because I'd rather not go to a wedding. Wedding's women's work, amen. I will say this, I don't know what has happened in our society that men now go to bridal showers. But I'm going to tell you that this has led to the destruction of Western civilization. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) 
I've done quit meddling going to preaching now. Anyway, Jesus went to a family wedding. And when he went to that wedding, they gave out of wine. And Mary, his mother, said to him, son, they've given out of wine. The party's ruined. And he said, well, what, what, what's that got to do with me? And what do I have to do with that? And, and uh, she just turned around. She just ignored it. She just turned around to the servants and said, just whatever he tells you to do, do it. And I can't prove this, and I don't want to be too flippant, but the Bible does tell us that, that Jesus did not work of his own initiative in his miracle working power. He only did what the Father instructed him to do. I can't prove it, but I wonder if he just looked up to heaven and kind of shrugged, and the Heavenly Father spoke to him and said, Son, what you going to do? Your mama's made up her mind. <laughs> Amen. So he turns the water into wine. Now, that's, that's pretty impressive. But I, if, if I was going to you know, perform my first miracle, I would have come up with something. I mean, I, my first one would have been walking on the water or calming the storm, right? This is such a common miracle to start the miraculous with something that's ho-hum. To start the miraculous with, hey, run down to the supermarket and buy some more sodas, right? I mean, that doesn't see, but the very fact that it's such a common miracle is what makes it so special. And the reason is, is that in the first miracle, it reveals that God is a God that not only answers our prayers for world peace, God is the God that answers our little prayers. God is the God that's concerned when we're broke down side the highway and we say, Jesus, I need a lift. God is concerned whenever we can't pay the light bill and we say, I need you to come on the scene. God is concerned about the little things, the common things that might not mean anything to anybody else. I've had testimonies that might not have swayed the crowds, but in the moment that I needed that little thing, it was important to me, and because it was important to me, it was important to God. Amen. I'm glad he's a God that performs common miracles. Well, that's good, but I don't know that you would say it's great. Well, what about this? Jesus came to Capernaum one day, and Peter's mother-in-law was in the house, and she was sick of a fever. And Jesus went to her and took her by the hand, and the Lord healed Peter's mother-in-law. Now, this is an amazing miracle. And it's not amazing because her fever was healed. It's amazing because Peter wanted his mother-in-law healed. <laughs> That's what is amazing about it. Don't tell my mom, your mom I said that, okay? Well, that's good, but it's not great. Well, what about his more authoritative miracles? Where he demonstrated that he was large and in charge. He demonstrated that he was boss. I like this one. Jesus again in Capernaum came and there was a centurion that came to him and said, my servant is sick. And Jesus said, okay, take me to him. And he said, no, I am not worthy that you should come to my house. But I am a man that knows something about authority. I am under the authority of Rome. 
And because I'm under the authority of Rome, they have put me in uh, over a hundred soldiers. So the fact that they put me over those soldiers, I'm the authority over them. And I say to one, go here, and they do it. I say to another, go there, and they snap to attention and do it. And I recognize, praise God, I recognize authority when I see it. I recognize a man of authority when I see it. And I just know that you don't have to go to where my servant is. All that you've got to do is speak the word and it'll be done. And Jesus marveled and said, I hadn't seen any of the Jews that had this kind of faith that got it. This man understands the authority that I have from God the Father. How about this? He goes over across the Sea of Galilee. He goes over to uh, the Gentile area, the 10 cities over there. And when he gets there, there's a man that's living out among the tombs. They would chain him up and he'd break the chains. They'd try to put some clothes on him, he'd rip them off. He'd take he would take uh, stones and, and cut himself. He would haunt the tombs. He would better out in the middle of the night. He was running off from uh, polite company. Nobody could be around him. And when Jesus set foot on the shore, the demons in that man, not the man, the demons in that man caused the man to run and fall at the feet of Jesus. See, because the Bible says the demons also believe and tremble. The demons caused that man to fall at the feet of Jesus and they said, have you come to torment us, to judge us before our time? O Holy One of Israel. And Jesus said, shut up. But he did ask, what's your name? And the demons answered and said, legion, for we are many. And they begged him. Now, there's, this is demons praying. And Jesus, listen, Jesus even answered the demons' prayer. Why in the world wouldn't we pray when we're the children of God and can use his name? The demons had enough sense to ask, would you let us go into these pigs instead of casting us out in the outer darkness? And Jesus said, go. And I want you to know this legion, which a legion is 6,000. A legion of demons flood out of this man and into the pigs. And the people in Gadara where that man lived, they saw it and they went to Jesus and they said, we'd rather live with the demons, we'd rather live with the pigs than live with this kind of power. Leave us alone. It demonstrated that Jesus had power and he has all power in heaven and in earth. There is no demon. Oh boy, I tell you what, I, I hate to hear Christians say, oh, you know, uh, we all have our demons. You might have your demon. I don't have any of my demons. I'll tell you that. I may have temptations. I may have failures. I may have faults, but I'm going to tell you, I ain't got no demons because they cannot live where Jesus lives and the Holy Ghost of God lives in me and I'm not possessed or oppressed by the enemy. I'm free in the name of Jesus because he's a miracle working God. Oh, it's good, but it's not the greatest. How about the most spectacular? When Jesus is asleep 
in the middle of the fishing barge and a storm comes and they're afraid that they're going to perish. You know that story as good as I do. And they wake Jesus up and he marvels at their lack of faith but he stands up in that little fishing barge and speaks to the storm. And listen, what it means is he bridles the storm. He says, peace be still. What he really says is something akin to sit down and shut up. And as one fellow said, the waves licked his hand and lay down at his feet. How about when they were out on the boat by themselves, Jesus was up in the mountain praying and a storm came. It, it whips down out of those mountains uh, uh, into, that, uh, into that vortex and causes that lake to, to pitch and, and they're there in the middle and they know they're going to sink and then they look out and they see something Someone walking on the water. You know, I recently saw that a famous preacher and a famous entertainer had a Sunday service at a lake and they had them and the choir walk out on that lake. They have some engineer that was clever enough and they had enough money to build some kind of hidden platform so they could walk out there. But Jesus didn't need an engineer. Jesus didn't need a hidden, hidden platform. Jesus didn't need the help of man. But by the power of God Almighty, he walked out on top of the water and Peter walked with him. And when Jesus got on board, immediately they were on the other side. I'm going to tell you he is the God of nature and the storms of life must bend at his will. If you believe it, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. And that's spectacular. But is it the greatest? It's incredible, but is it the greatest? Well, what about this? His most famous miracle. You say, well, how do you know this one's his most famous? Because it's the only one that all four gospel writers record. And it's the one that drew the biggest crowd. Whenever he had 5,000 men, and that's beside the women and the children, it may have been as much as 15 or 20,000 people. And they followed him to hear his words, and they were hungry. And he took a sack lunch, a little boy's loaves and fishes, and blessed them and broke them and passed them out. And 20,000 people gorged themselves, and there were still 12 baskets of leftovers. Boy, that's powerful. That's the power of God. But was it his greatest? I would say not. What about his most controversial healings and miracles? Here's one. There was a man in the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he had a withered hand. And the Pharisees looked to see if Jesus would, quote, violate, unquote, the Sabbath by healing him. They looked over there and said, we know him. He just can't resist healing him. He just can't resist meeting a need. And Jesus heals the man with the withered hand. When you have a withered hand, you're not able to give and you're not able to receive. And Jesus opened his hand. And the Pharisees and those that criticized him, criticized him for healing on the Sabbath. 
And he said, you know, you make a loophole for your ox falling in the ditch on the Sabbath day. Oxes are more important to you than people are. Jesus fighting for the common man. Jesus fighting for the little man. Jesus more concerned about a man that had a withered hand than he was satisfying the religious elite. Jesus more concerned about meeting the need than he was living up to people's expectations. He was more concerned about healing somebody than he was about the criticisms that would come his way. How about this? There's a man, when Jesus comes to Jerusalem at the pool of Bethesda, the house of mercy, he'd been there for a long time, 38 years. He couldn't get into the water when the water was troubled to get his healing. But when Jesus saw him lie and knew he'd been now a long time in that uh, circumstance, he said to him, do you want to be made whole? And he said, if you do, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately strength came in those twisted legs. And the man got up and took his bedroll and started walking. And it was the Sabbath day. And the religious people said, it's against the law for you to carry a burden on the Sabbath day. And I love what the man said. He said, I don't know that much about your law. Here's what I do know. The one that healed me told me to carry this bed and I'm carrying this bed. And I don't care what the world says and I really don't care what the church says. When Jesus says do it, he's the one that made me whole and I'm gonna do it. How about this? There was a man born blind. And the disciples said, who's seeing this man or his parents? And Jesus said, this man was born blind for the glory of God. And when Jesus healed this man, the religious folks gathered around and they said, <laughs> this is funny now, he's blind. He said, did you see who healed you? <laughs> and so, so when Jesus healed him, they got to grilling him and they said, how could he here, he's praising God. He said, how can this be the work of God? We know that man's a sinner. And even this blind man had enough uh, sight to see. He said, listen, God doesn't answer sinner's prayers. He said, well, this man was a sinner. He said, listen to this. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. Here's what I do know. Where I was blind... Now I see. Oh, listen, Jesus didn't worry about controversy. Wonderful miracles. But are they the greatest? I don't know. How about his most tender miracle? A leper came to him. Jesus said, what do you want? He said, I want to be made whole if you will. And Jesus said, I will. And when all he had to do was speak the word. That's all he had to do, was speak the word. And even though it violated custom and tradition and law, Jesus reached out and touched the leper. And he was made whole. Because Jesus knows sometimes we need more than a word, we need a touch. And he touched and cleansed the leper. Sweet, tender, Moving, but is it the greatest? I don't think so. If you'll give me a moment, I want to talk to you about what I believe to be the most revealing miracle 
of the heart of God. Jesus is in the garden praying. It's, he knows he's going to be betrayed. He is, his disciples are asleep. And here Judas comes out with soldiers. Some say as many as a band of 600 soldiers. It wasn't just a few. Comes with a band of soldiers that have swords and clubs and torches. And Peter, seeing it, because he'd been asleep, wakes up startled, draws his sword, I believe tries to behead the Malchus, who is the high priest's servant, and instead lops off his ear. And we don't know how Jesus did this. We know he grabbed him violently. Blood gushing from his head. And we don't know if Jesus just regenerated and created a new ear. I would, I would like to think of seeing Jesus stoop over and pick up that bloody ear and dust the sand from it. And Jesus puts that on and Malchus, the servant of the high priest, some say that he was the high priest's mouthpiece, that he was the one who had spread lies and rumors throughout Jerusalem about Jesus, fomenting hatred toward Jesus. But he heals that ear. Now here's the thing. Malchus didn't ask to be healed. Malchus did not believe that he was the Christ. Malchus did not believe in him. Nobody was asking for Malchus to be healed. You remember there was a woman, had an issue of blood, came up behind Jesus. Her faith, Jesus, it was an accidental miracle. Jesus wasn't even trying, she was not even on his radar, but Jesus, this woman's faith reached out and touched Jesus. Malchus didn't have that kind of faith. How about this? Jesus is teaching and there's a paralytic man whose four, four friends brought him to Jesus. They couldn't get in the door, so they, they tore the roof off the place and let him down. It was their faith. But nobody was asking for Malchus. Nobody was saying, oh, would you heal him? Jesus has just been betrayed by the kiss of a friend. Jesus is about to be led off to an illegal trial. The next morning, by the next morning, he'll be nailed to a rugged cross. And in the middle of all of that, Jesus says, hold on, boys. Wait a second, you can take me away in a minute. And he reaches down and gets a bloody, sandy ear and attaches it on somebody who is, is his enemy. You know what Romans chapter 5 says, don't you? While we were still without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarceless for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died 
for us. Of all this, did you realize this is his last miracle before his death and resurrection? But is it his greatest miracle? John 10, 18, Jesus says this, No one takes my life, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. We talk about his miraculous life. Did you know he died a miraculous death? His life was the light of men. In him was life. For life itself to die on Calvary took miraculous power. But how many knows that he did not stay dead? (laughs) How many knows, listen, he's the one when he ran into a little boy on a funeral bear in Maine, he just reached up and touched that bear and the little boy got up, started playing football, somebody see it. He's the one when Jairus' daughter was sick and he was on his way that before he could get there because the woman with the issue of blood waylaid him, she died. But when he got there, he said, she's not dead, she's asleep. They mocked him, he cleared the room and he said to her, Talitha Kumai, my little lamb, arise and she got up. He's the one that after his best friend had been dead for four days and was rotting in a Judean grave, he stood at the edge of that grave and said, roll the stone away from the door and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man got up and walked out of the tomb. But listen, all of those he healed died later. All of those he raised from the dead died later. But whenever, listen, there have been a lot of people whose footprints led into the graveyard, but there's only ever been one whose footprints led out of the graveyard. When Jesus said, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it again. Surely when Jesus rose from the dead early on Easter morning, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Surely that was his greatest miracle. No. No. The greatest miracle is not even in the Bible. His greatest miracle was back about 1975 in Waycross, Georgia at 1157 Alice Street in my Nana's kitchen when this little five-year-old boy knelt and asked Jesus to come into his heart and the God who the heavens of heavens cannot contain came down and made his home in my heart. That's the greatest to me. What's the greatest to you? Where was it? When was it to you? My father is omnipotent and that you can't deny. He's a God of might and miracles. Tis written In the sky, it took a miracle 
to put the stars in place. It took a miracle to hang this world in space. But when he saved my soul, cleansed and made me whole, it was a miracle of love and grace. Stand and sing that with me if you know it. It took a miracle to put the stars in place. It took a miracle to hang this world in space. But when he saved my soul, cleansed and made me whole, it was a miracle of love and grace. Lift your hands to the Lord right now. Father, we praise you for the miracle of salvation, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And Lord, it's not something you did, it's something you're still doing. You're still saving, oh God. I'm praying, Lord, that those that know you, oh God, would be overcome by the sense of the miraculous that you've saved them. And those that don't know you, Lord, let them realize that before this service closes, they can experience a miracle of their very own. In Jesus' name, amen.